Hello and welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast, another installment of this weekly, weekly show where I talk about a team, a baseball team, one Seattle Mariners baseball team. It's another solemn episode like last week. I think I left last week's episode, it came out on Tuesday, on a, on a higher note. I was like, you know what? The Angels are coming to town. They're not very good. And then they play the Dodgers. And, well, the Dodgers, they're good. But I was like, hmm, I think they're going to play better. They've had a tough start to September. And I was wrong. They actually did not. They played... Actually, it's weird. I, I don't know. I don't think they played that bad against the Dodgers. They just got swept by the Dodgers. Three games set this weekend. Uh, the Angels, they did beat in the series. Took two of three. Uh, Would have been... Nice to sweep them, and definitely could have could have swept them for certain, uh, but they chose not to. But they they didn't expire a bunch of confidence going into the last couple weeks of the season uh, this weekend, and I'll get into that more later. But one thing off the top of the show, on a high note, actually, right after I recorded, I recorded on Monday before their first game with the Angels, and that game, Julio Rodriguez. Went 30-30. He, it was hours after I recorded, he became the 44th, nice, 44th member of the 30-30 club. He did it in an amazing, awesome way. Took a crazy low pitch out to dead center to, uh, what, tie the game for the Seattle Mariners late against the Angels. Uh, It was all for naught because they went on to lose. So, pretty deflating after a really big high of him completing a 30-30 season in such a dramatic fashion. But really that game was so frustrating. That is that is the takeaway. Um, that everyone in the bullpen was used. And uh, Justin Topa actually gave up some runs. <sighs> Thornton was put in, gave up more runs. Just And they ended up losing this game in the 11th inning, after tying it up on that Julio Dinger in the 10th, give up three runs in the 11th and lose in a deflating, deflating way after just tying tying the ball game the inning before. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you've heard that before, that's happened numerous, numerous times this season uh, where the I'm thinking of the Colton Longer and Slam in Minnesota that they went on to lose that game. There's been a couple moments this year where the Mariners decide late game, hey, let's let Chaos take the wheel and let's put every fan on a roller coaster ride. And then the roller coaster ends up in the pit of a volcano. That is what they've done a couple times this year. It's been pretty infuriating, but they lose that game to the Angels. And then in a very Uneventful second game, they went 8-0, and then they went 3-2 to complete the series win over the Angels. I don't have much else to say about that besides the Angels are crazy, crazy clown franchise. But the story here, what I wanted to note, Julio 30-30, he's special. A 30-30 season is not something to put your nose up at. While these new rules have allowed more steals and, and the ball is a little bit more lively these days, not as lively as like 2019, but still fairly lively. But there's only 44 guys who have ever done that 
and that's special. Uh, I'm sure we'll see it tick up slightly more in the coming years with the stolen base um, numbers going up, but I can't. I mean, it's still a very, very special achievement, uh, and he's the only, uh, only the second Mariner to ever join the 30-30 club, and he joins Alex Rodriguez in the 30-30 club. And it was honestly um, surprising to me. When you look at the 30-30 club, there's a lot of guys you'd expect on here, but there's a lot of people who are not on this list, and I don't want to get into uh, who isn't on the list from the broader MLB. But Mariners-wise, I'm surprised that Juan Kangaroo Jr. never got a 30-30 season. I think he topped out, I looked last uh, when this happened, I think he topped out at like 25 steals in a season. I'm just surprised he never got up to 30 during his peak because he was definitely hitting more than 30 home runs during his peak, that's for sure. Uh, And then Mike Cameron as well. Mike Cameron, I know he was a 2020 club member, which in and of itself is also mad impressive, but uh, I'm very surprised Mike Cameron never nudged up to 30-30 because I know he had 30 home run um, or 30 steal seasons. I don't think he ever got to 30 home runs. I'm looking now. He got to 30 home runs with the Mets in 2004 with 22 steals. Uh, the Mariners, he got 25 home runs, 34 steals, 25 home runs, 31 steals, 21 home runs, 38 steals, 19 home runs, 24 steals. Yeah, he, he was flirting with it, uh, but he's a 2020 guy, and that's impressive too. So shout out to Mike Cameron. I was just – I was – Surprised at how uh, neither of those guys never did it. A-Rod, I knew, did that because he had a crazy 98 season. Uh, Julio, the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to join the 30-30 club at age 22 or younger, joining aforementioned A-Rod in 1998, Mike Trout in 2012 in his legendary rookie season, and then Ronald Acuna in 2019 did it age 22 or younger. So that is a little bit of uh, what kind of player Julio Rodriguez is. I think those other three are pretty good. A-Rod, Mike Trout, and Acuna. I know Acuna is because he's playing right now, could, but I think Mike Trout is a good player. I think A-Rod was pretty decent. Uh, so good company. Good company for our man Julio. Uh, and just special. Special. I imagine he could get 30-30 next year. Then the year after that, I think this is... I don't even think he's reached his ceiling yet, but this is... This is what he is. Absolute superstar. So that was the good news. Some of the good news from this week. Uh, They win the Angels series. They get a much-needed off day after a grueling 10-day road trip and then a flight from Tampa back to Seattle and then a three-game set without any rest. And yet, they still looked so tired this weekend. I think it's just September ball. And I feel like they were playing out of their goddamn minds in August. Uh, but it's it's not an excuse for how they played. They get swept by the Dodgers, and today wasn't today should have been winnable. The first two were aggressively winnable baseball games. Uh, today's I didn't watch every uh, every out of today's game, but they just clinched the division. The Dodgers did. And so uh, Mookie wasn't in the lineup. Freddie wasn't in the lineup today. And we had Logan on the bump for Shelby Miller. And they lose 6-1 to one in a game that they should win. They should win that game. Uh, and they come out and lay an egg. 
They get one run on a JPRBI and just Austin Barnes hit a home run today. Logan gave up a home run to Austin Barnes. I mean, come on. There's been cracks in the pitching staff showing the past few weeks. Kirby has not been in very sharp the past four or five starts. This was the first Logan start that made me bat an eye. Uh, because of how poor the Dodgers lineup was, and he gets lit up minorly against this bad lineup. Just not super encouraging. Colton Wong in an RBI single today. <sighs> so they lose today, and they lost Friday and Saturday 6-3 and 6-2. to Just w- The games were winnable, and it, I tweeted this. It's death by a 1,000 cuts versus this Dodgers team. They are... This was emblematic of the organizations, I feel like. Uh, the Mariners were close. They didn't play terribly. They actually played pretty well. I, I don't even think they played that bad in the, the first two games. Today was bad. But I don't even think they played bad. Uh, I mean, they had, on Friday, they put up three runs. They had 11 hits. on it. They should probably put some more runs on the board, but they had 11 hits. Uh, Kirby wasn't super sharp, but... I mean, he gave up four runs, six innings, seven Ks, two walks, and he hit another guy. That's where my concern would lie. Like, Spire gave up a run, Thornton gave up a run. But it just, it it felt like they were making better swings and not the pitchers making bad pitches. Um, like, there was some Max Muncy did some stupid shit. There were just a lot of, uh, of hits, especially last night's game, just bloop hits, um, guys just putting the ball in play on good pitches, just felt like better hitting. It didn't even feel like the the pitching was was bad. I mean, even in Saturday's game, you get a beautiful start from Bryce Miller. He goes five and a third, zero runs, one walk, four Ks, uh, and a f- maybe his start of the year. That's not like lighting up the stat sheet, but against this Dodgers team, uh, in a not a must-win game, but a game where they kind of needed to capitalize on a good start. He comes out and, and shoves a little bit and looks great. Passes over to the bullpen, and the bullpen's pretty good until Spire and Isaiah Campbell. And even then, it was a lot of soft contact hits. It was an infield hit. It was a bloop single here and there. Like, Chris Taylor had a bloop a bloop hit to score a couple guys. Max Muncy had a b- crazy hit on a Spire like slider out of the zone to put him up. It just felt like the Dodgers were going to win those games regardless of them being close. That is just what it felt like. And it kind of just, that's what playing the Dodgers is like. They're just a really good team, well coached, built really well, uh, and it pays dividends to put the ball in play. Soft contact be damned. Soft contact in play is still better than a strikeout. And the Dodgers are good at putting the ball in play and good at working the count. They're very good at getting on base. Again, it's death by a thousand cuts. You can pitch perfectly to them and you'll still, you know, lose the game, especially when your offense is, is putrid like they kind of were this weekend. They they were getting on base. They just weren't. They were doing the runners in scoring position thing again. The, the Mariners' heritage of leaving runners in the scoring position because they got to their bullpen too. They got to a lot of their bullpen arms, and their bullpen has been better of late, but it hasn't been amazing this year. It hasn't been phenomenal, uh, and there's some guys in that bullpen that they 
should hit better than they did. The problem is the Dodgers have so many guys, regardless of if they're really good or not, they have crazy good stuff, and the managers can't hit stuff, it seems like. It just seems like they can't hit stuff, like stuff out of the zone. <laughs> like the, the, the sweeper to a right-handed hitter out of the zone, it's over. And like a high fastball to our lefties, it's over. Um, this feels like those are pretty significant weaknesses in today's game, but that's just that's what it feels like the lineup is. Very, very somber weekend. It looked like a, a madhouse in the stadium, too. Those fans were begging for a win, and they did not get one. There are a lot of Dodger fans, though. Made me sick. A lot of Dodger fans, it looked like, in the stands. Just unfortunate. Just really, just not good, just not good baseball, uh, unfortunately. And now... It puts the Mariners in a little bit of a bind. I think I talked last week about wanting to be ahead of the Rangers and or the Blue Jays in the wild card and division by one game, hopefully, one and a half to two games before we play uh, Rangers-Astros-Rangers to end the year. And right now, they're not fulfilling my wishes. They are one back of the Texas Rangers for the third wild card spot, one and a half back of Toronto and the division is slipping away, but I, I crowned the Astros division champions last week, so, you know, not too concerned about that because they're two and a half back at the Strohs, and they're, just, they're playing better baseball right now. They got they did get beat by the A's at home, weirdly enough, but I have a feeling they're going to be fine. Texas looks shaky, but the Mariners look shaky. Both teams do. So do the Blue Jays. Uh, the Red Sox did not do us any favors this weekend they made those games close and could not finish them because their pitching is so goddamn poor it's so bad but it's still really close and now now the Mariners go to Oakland for three straight games and hear me out I'm gonna dub this one as the most important series of the year it is. It is. Just think about this. Could I hop on next week's show and say the upcoming four-game set to end the year against the Rangers is now the most important series of the year? Maybe. Maybe I could do that. They have to sweep the A's. They just have to do it. The A's are a little frisky right now. They got a lot of young bats in that lineup. And I think they could put up some runs against a pitching staff that looks tired, that has been giving up more runs than, than they're used to this month. And it's in Oakland. Weird shit happens in the Coliseum. They're just, the, the bats are going to need to put runs on the board this series. They're going to need to win these games handedly. They cannot play around. No, no playing with their food. Uh-uh. None of that. They have to sweep these A's. They simply have to. I, it's... You need to go into the Rangers, Astros, Rangers ending the year with momentum and hopefully at least tied with the Rangers or ahead of the Rangers. It is just what needs to happen. Uh, and if they don't sweep the A's, it's over. No, I'm just kidding. And it's it's the most important series of the year, not only because the Mariners are playing the A's and need to sweep the A's, not only 
because the Mariners need to get the job done. But taking a look at the Rangers' schedule and the Blue Jays' schedule, the Blue Jays just swept the Red Sox at home in the second wildcard spot now. They have an off day when this show comes out on Monday. And then they play the Yankees for a three-game set. And now the Yankees are not very good. So they play a not very good team with a, what, one-and-a-half game lead of the Mariners? So they could potentially sweep. And the Rangers, coinciding with the Mariners' A series, they are at home against the Red Sox. Another team from the AL East that's in last that is not very good. We just saw them get swept by the Blue Jays. So the Mariners are playing the A's. They're comfortably playing the worst team of those three opponents. They need to sweep because the Rangers and the Blue Jays, they're playing inferior teams as well. All three of these teams, separated by one and a half games right now, are playing teams they should beat at least two out of three. The Mariners got to sweep. They have to sweep the A's. They simply have to do it. It's crazy, and then I was looking at the schedule. So obviously... (laughs) The last three series of the year are mega, uber important. That will quite literally decide the division. Uh, the Rangers' remaining schedule, Red Sox, Mariners, Angels, Mariners. Very AL Westy. The Blue Jays' remaining schedule is Yankees for three, Rays for three, both on the road, and then they go home to end the year. Yankees for three and Rays for three. They get Yankees, Rays, Yankees, Rays at home and away to end the year. And that is that is big for the wild card. The Rays will likely still be vying for the division. They will have clinched the postseason already, but they're going to want to win the division over the Orioles. And right now, that division is separated by two games. Uh, Baltimore, a great series against the Rays in Baltimore, but not out of the realm of possibility that the Rays could still win that division, they're going to want to. They're going to be pushing. And so that's tough to have to for the Jays to have to play them six times down the stretch. And the Yankees six times. Because uh, I, I guess it's still the Yankees. I mean, they're not very good. But it's not like a, a basement-dwelling team. They're merely slightly below average. So it's crucial. It's crucial. I mean, every game, saying a game in late September and a playoff push is crucial is obvious. They're all crucial. But they're going to have to handle their business down in Oakland. And that is what I have to say on that. And I couldn't believe the Blue Jays' schedule at the end of the year. That is bonkers. Um, That could have meant so much more if the Yankees were a good team this year. Imagine what that could have done. But that... Is all from me uh, schedule peaking. So, a road trip and then at home to end the year for your Seattle Mariners, Oakland, and then Texas, and then the Astros and Rangers. I look at this schedule daily and I get scared every day because the Rangers, the Blue Jays, and the Mariners, one of them will not make the postseason. And right now, the Mariners are that team, the odd team looking in. And I would rather make the postseason as a fan of the Seattle Mariners. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather be in the postseason. So if they could win some more games down the stretch, that would be very nice. Thank you. And this is another one like last year, another playoff scenario, where I would rather be the third wildcard team. I Listen, I would make the playoffs over whatever. If they make the playoffs, 
I won't pick many nits. But right now, I can pick as many nits as I want. I would like them to either win the division, which I think is obviously um, everyone wants that, and I don't think that's going to happen, or two, be the third wild card. Because, like last season, they were the second wild card and played the Jays. Obviously, amazing series, ended up beating the Jays in the wild card, but they could have played the Guardians. And this year, we have the Twins, who are going to win the AL Central and play that third wild card team. The Twins are comfortably comfortably the worst team, probably going into the playoffs. I don't think they're that bad. But boy, would I rather play the Twins than the uh, Tampa Bay Rays or the Orioles, which is what the second wildcard team is in for. So, I'd, I'd be happy with the Rangers or the Blue Jays slotting in at that wildcard two spot and playing the the Rays or the Orioles and the Mariners politely saying, we'll take third and go to Minnesota because I'd, I'd just much rather do that. And I think everyone would agree with me there. So it's one of those years again, almost identical to last season, some different teams in the mix, but virtually the same scenario where the third wildcard spot is most advantageous if you can't win the division. But that, again, that's that's all I have on schedule watching. Now, a lighter part of the show, and this might be a shorter show this week. Uh, I don't have much else. I don't want to keep talking about the Mariners because they're bumming me out. And really, all they need to do at this point in the year is start winning baseball games. Uh, and they simply uh, refused to do so recently. I take notes weekly on random things. And I think I'm going to start uh, presenting them on this show as my random weekly notes. And this could be, this is, these are all about baseball. Sometimes they might not be about baseball, but these are all about baseball things that I write down weekly that I then look back on during this podcast and say, why did I write that down? Or I disagree with my past self. Here we go. My weekly random notes. Uh, the first one, the Mariners have a unique opportunity to bring back their commercials Oh, yes. Uh, Cal and Logan. Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert. They're a great start. They could usher in the new era of Mariners ads. I'll, I guess I'll call it, like, the golden age of Mariners ads. The Larry Bernandez era, you know. That stretch of ads was amazing. And that, like, style of ads they did for a little while and stopped when the team started to become bad, like... When you think of that era of ads, you think of obviously the Felix ones, like the Larry Bernandez ones, all those were were sweet and legendary. I think of um, Edgar in some of those ads. I think of the Crafty Lefties ad, which was one of the more recent ones. I think they ought to bring those back, especially because now they do have a core of players and some that are signed long-term already that you can advertise for years to come. I think that was a big reason why. Those ads were successful, obviously. You had uh, Felix Hernandez. You had like Kyle Seeger making appearances in those ads. I think this is a perfect opportunity. You have a, you have a young core of players to advertise. And you have Cal, Gil- Cal Gilbert. Oh, oh, man. That's their name. Uh, Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert, who are best buds. And they could be a good start because they're just funny together. And Cal Raleigh is very unintentionally just a funny dude when he says things. Uh, I think I wrote this down because if you saw it on social media, 
the Mariners put out a video. Uh, it's when uh, they were in Chicago. Cal and Logan went to like a pizza place and made their own deep dish pizza. Uh, and it was just it was, it was a good video. They the the boys were roommates in the minor leagues and came up together and obviously are pitcher and catcher in the bigs and have a great relationship with each other. And it's awesome. There's been a couple of these videos. And I think they could be a very good start to usher in a new era of ads. That's the first weekly note. Bring back the ads. My second note, uh, Luis Trenz. He is back with the team. And this made me think that the MLB, not the MLB, just MLB, should organize a ping pong tournament during the All-Star break. If you don't know, Luis Trenz is a legendary ping pong player. He... I know he won a tournament at spring training last year, uh, and, and him and Robbie Ray played frequently last season. There's a ping pong table in the clubhouse, and he's apparently really good, and I'd love to see what other good ping pong players there are in the league. I I feel like this all will, if it ever happened, like Mookie Betts would win it because he's good at every sport. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if we heard a tweet during the All-Star break, I was like, and Mookie Betts uh, is actually a really good ping-pong player. He's an elite ping-pong player, much like he is an elite bowler and can dunk a basketball and run a crisp, crisp route and has good hands in football. I think that'd be fun, a ping-pong tournament. I just want to see baseball players playing in other sports that aren't baseball, but not like football or anything, like more ping-pong-oriented, stuff like that. Get water polo, random, random sports. Put baseball players in there and see how, I, how they do, and they'd be fun. My third note: Ty France foot race with a kid who runs bases before a game. Okay, this makes sense. Why I wrote this down: Ty France and base running was a big topic this week in Mariners baseball, and <laughs> he's so slow. And Manny Acta continues to send him to the plate, and I just don't. I get it. They're aggressive. And I feel like Manny knows how slow Ty is, but I don't know if he really does. It seems like he doesn't. He sends him to the plate so often on plays where he's going to get out. Uh, He was thrown out at home this week. And there was another play where he probably should have been thrown out, but narrowly avoided the tag. uh, and And a good slide, actually. But I think... A Thai France foot race with a child. Uh, and I'm thinking they have a kid run the bases before the game. I'm assuming they still do that. Uh, steal a base or whatever. Or they have them come from like the bullpen and steal second base. I want Thai France to race one of these children. I want to see how slow he really is. And then that also made me think the promo that the Reds do. Like the race against the Flash. Where the guy gets... Some person races against the Flash who is in some suit where you can't see his face and apparently he was like a d3 runner like sprinter or long distance runner or something he, they let the fan who's running against the flash i think it's or the freeze is it the freeze it might be the freeze they run against the sprinter whatever his name is and the sprinter lets them have i don't know it lets them get to like right center almost, before starting, and usually beats the person. I would like to see Ty France participate in that. Uh, so maybe maybe next year, if he's on the team and the Mariners go to Atlanta uh, before the game, I'd love to see that happen. I just want to see 
Ty France in a foot race. Maybe just clock his 40 time. Just send him to the combine, actually. The NFL combine. I think that would that would actually make sense. Uh, Kyle Raleigh. Another note. Kyle Raleigh's face is made for making an error. Oh, yes. So, I think I've talked about this, and everyone kind of knows. He's so somber when he does anything on the baseball field. He is a resting, resting somber face. Like, he always looks... It's not sadness. Like, somber's... I don't know if that's the perfect word to describe it. He more looks like you made a slight comment about his weight and he just kind of took offense to it. He's not super upset, but he's like, oh, you know, oh. He made an error this week, a throwing error. And when they panned to his face, I was like, holy shit, that's it. Like, that is like the face. He's like kind of upset with himself, but not super outwardly, still very like inward. But you can tell he's a little upset, like slightly and a little sad. I think it's the perfect face. I think his face was made for making errors. The thing is, most of the time when we see this face is when he takes the catcher's gear off. And when he takes the catcher's gear off, he generally is making a good play. So, it's just so, it's so funny. It's the same face every time. Resting somber face. He made an error, and I pointed at the screen, like that meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when Brad Pitt points at the screen. I'm like, holy shit, that's the face. It's so appropriate for when he makes an error. It makes so much sense. He's just perpetually waiting to make an error so he can look sad. Next note. The Angels are the best reality TV show. Boy, did a lot of stuff come out about the Angels this week. Good lord. Uh, Every Sam Blum, and if you don't know, he's Angels beat writer, who he's gone mega viral this year just by tweeting news about the Angels. He's just doing his job, and he's going viral because of how incompetent the Angels are. He's doing a great job. Every tweet of his is a new glimpse into what a franchise the Angels are. This week, multiple things happened in succession. Anthony Rondon, it was revealed, he has a fractured tibia. He's had it for weeks, and the team has not announced it. It's crazy. What? So Anthony Rendon, and if you don't know, Anthony Rendon seems kind of like a big, gigantic bitch. Uh, He, whatever, big contract, be damned. Who cares what your contract is? Every time the press has asked him, because he's not playing, because he's, quote, hurt, and nobody knows exactly what is hurt. He's had so many injury troubles the past few years, it could be anything. And now we've learned it's the fractured tibia. But prior to this, it was just like, he would say nothing to the media and just leave. The best one was last week when he was like, no hablo inglés, and then he just walked out. That's the shit he does with the media because he's just like, nope, I'm not playing. He's not giving you the cookie-cutter answer where he's like, I'm just working my way back, I'm feeling better every day. Like You hear that all the time for baseball players. Whether it's bullshit or not, that is kind of what you hear. That's the boilerplate I'm hurt, not on the IL, really. Just kind of, I'm working my way back, you know, feeling better, feeling healthier. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm going to get back out there soon. No, he's just like, nope, I'm not playing, and I'm not going to tell you why. So, fuck you, media. That's what he's been doing. And it came out this week, he's a fractured tibia, and everyone's not really sure why the Angels didn't announce it weeks ago when they found out. Anthony Rendon is known. 
And it's not up to him to say. So I'm not saying he should have said his tibia is fractured. That's up to the team. How has the team not said anything? And you think it couldn't get better than... You think their week couldn't get any better. And then we get a tweet that comes across the timeline that Shohei Otani's locker is empty. And he he hasn't been playing. They finally... They didn't shut him down, but they've had him not be playing because he has a torn UCL, but he was still hitting. And they basically were like, no, okay, we're just going to rest you a little bit. Then we get this tweet. His locker is cleared out. He's gone. He's out of here. I think I saw every single photoshopped jersey of Otani and like every jersey. Every MLB jersey, I think I saw him photoshopped in because it was like, hey, what if he just shows up in Seattle? What if he shows up in Tampa just wearing a Rays jersey? Who's going to say anything? Because it just sounded like he, in the dead of night, he came in, took all his shit, and is now just gone. He's ghosted the Angels. We now learned that's not really the case. They're just shutting him down the rest of the year. Uh, and obviously, I think he's going to win MVP no matter what. The Angels aren't going anywhere. It's a smart move to shut him down. It's just crazy, again, the process the Angels organization has gone through. They didn't announce they're shutting him down. We just got a tweet that his locker's empty. He's not here. But he was in the dugout yesterday, so everything is well. He's not just He didn't just up and leave because that also doesn't seem like a thing he'd do. But it sounded like that. It sounded, it was like, oh, no, he's just gone. He's out of here. He's never coming back. That's the last step foot he stepped in in that dugout now. It was so funny. I, I mean, I saw him photoshopped into a Jets jersey. I think a lot of people saw that one. <laughs> I th- you think he could play quarterback? I think he could probably figure it out if you give him some time. But no, the Angels are just, God, just a poverty franchise, man. That might be the worst front office job in the country right now. Like, if, if Paramanesian gets canned, or any job in that organization, like, it's just systematic issues, and everything is wrong with their franchise right now. But everyone else besides Angels fans, it's been great. If you look past not really putting the biggest stars on the biggest stage like they haven't done for years and years now, you look past that, and it's just funny. So, that's the Angels. Uh, my next note, Red Sox. Hey. I'm available. I I am. I have a job, but I will leave my job if you want me to run the team. I will run it differently than Heim Bloom did. I promise. I will. If anything, I'll be more Dave Dombrowski than Dave Dombrowski. Just give me the money. I will sling it around. Obviously, Red Sox. They're not going to want to hire me just yet. Uh, they haven't even interviewed me yet. They've just reached out, but. If uh, any executives of that team are listening, John Henry, if you're listening, uh, the sole owner, if you're actually listening yourself right now, again, hit my line. Uh, My email is in the podcast uh, footer. If you want to just shoot me an email, I can send you uh, my resume. I can send you uh, anything you want. Uh, I can send you my plan for the team. I'm just, I'm available to run your team if you need. Uh, Red Sox, fired Bloom. Kind of surprising. I could talk about this for a while, but I think there are others closer to the situation who've said a lot of good things about this. I just think from my perspective, he wasn't given a fair shot, but this is also very what the Red Sox do. They hire a guy for three to five years and they fire him and bring in a very different person to run the team. 
They they had Ben Charrington. He came in, built the farm system, laid a foundation, fired him. Dave Nabrowski comes in, spends a lot of money, destroys the farm system, wins a ring. They fire him. They bring in Heim Bloom from the Rays, and they say, hey, you need to cut payroll and trade Mookie Betts. And he did that. That's literally... An, uh, strike one. I'm out of there. If I... I don't care what the money is. If I was in a job interview and they said you have to trade Mookie Betts if we hire you I'd say no sorry I'm not doing that that's against my principles as a human being I am not trading Mookie Betts fuck you Haim he has to cut payroll and he he's he has to kind of rebuild this team that has no farm system they have some bloated old guys on the on the a big league roster they have to trade Mookie Betts and no matter what they got back in that trade, it was going to be a deficit. It didn't matter because it's Mookie fucking bets that they were trading. And Himes' tenure was not perfect. I feel like this is a classic. He did a fine job. He made some mistakes. He had a lot of good things he did. Uh, I just don't think he was given a fair crack, especially because I think they brought him over from the Rays. And I feel like they wanted him to run it more like the Rays. And he kind of did. He built up the farm system. The farm is in a really good spot compared to what it was when he took over. There's a lot of good young talent on the big league roster. Like a lot, a lot of promise in this team. He didn't spend that much money. And maybe that's what they're concerned about. But it doesn't seem like they gave him that many opportunities to spend. Especially when they got him in there and said cut payroll. You were the Red Sox. Act like it. You should be running a top five payroll every year. You were to the Boston Red Sox. You can do both. The power that you have that the Rays don't have when you hire Chaim Bloom is, hey, we recognize that you're probably good at identifying talent, amateur and big league level talent. You can probably stock our farm system with young players and you can develop them well. And you can lay a good foundation for signing free agents and all of that jazz that comes with building a championship team after laying a good young foundation. And he's laid that young foundation. And he did sign some guys. I mean, the Trevor Story signing hasn't worked out that that what that much. He should have signed Xander and didn't. Like, he could have had Xander and Devers three years ago for a combined $350 million. Like, he, he might have had both those guys for the next few years for what Devers signed for this offseason. Uh, and at least he re-signed Devers. But then you look at, and like, he extended Chris Sale, and that didn't work out. I don't think that's really on him. I think that was the right move. He's just got He's just been so hurt. I don't think that was really the wrong thing to do. The problem is pitching. And I don't think they've given him enough money to sign pitching. But, again, see, I'm already rambling. I could go on and on. I just don't think he was given a fair crack. Uh, I think they got to be more Red Soxy if they want to win. But now that job is super attractive, which, hello, that's why I want the job. There are young, controllable hitters on that team that are good. And the farm system, hitter-wise, took a big step this year. The pitching is still leaves a little bit to be desired, but they're the freaking Red Sox who've been below the luxury tax. So they are going to spend on pitching probably, and they should. And they also have Brian Bale, young pitcher, love him, big fan. But 
it's a great job now because of what Heim did. So we salute you, Mr. Bloom. You did a great job. And if the Red Sox win a World Series in the next few years, some of that praise should be to you for what you, the foundation that you built for this team. But again, hit my line, John Henry. I'm available. Oh, John, what's that? What you, oh, you want me to work for Liverpool and the Red Sox? Fine. I'll start with the Red Sox. Okay, that was my second to last note. My other note that I'm just going to end the show on, and it's, you know, if if you were looking for Mariners content this show, then you probably left a while ago. And if you're still here, that means you're enjoying uh, me. Maybe I'm just, this is just picking you up from a sad weekend of Mariners baseball. That's what I'm here for. All right. I'm going to pick you up going into this A's series. My last note, I play a game called Out of the Park Baseball very often. I love this game. It is a game for baseball nerds. It is MLB The Show in reverse. If you know what Football Manager is for soccer, it's that. But crazy in-depth. So I'm currently, I've been running the Pirates for quite some time, for a while now. And not that it matters, but I've lost back-to-back World Series to the uh, Tigers and... Who did I just lose to? Oh, Tigers and the Rays. The 2025 and 2026 World Series I lost back-to-back. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. In 2027, in the offseason, there was expansion. Not expansion. That's the wrong word. Relocation. Just right now, you can pause the show, whatever, I don't care. I'll give you some time. Who do you think of any teams in 2020, the 2027, going into the 2027 offseason, what team do you think would relocate and to where? You thought of one? Did you think of one? Well, if you thought it was the Kansas City Royals, then congratulations, because the Kansas City Royals have moved and been relocated to Jacksonville. There is a new team in town in the AL Central. And what's their name? The Jacksonville Thunder Bears. I love it. The Thunder Bears? That's phenomenal. Uh, That's a crazy name. But Kansas City to Jacksonville. So a new owner bought them and moved them to Jacksonville in my my out-of-the-park sim. I couldn't believe it. Out of all the teams... To relocate the Royals, Ugh, I mean, they were they somewhat continued on their current path into 2027. They hadn't done a whole lot in the four extra years after this real life season, and I guess, I guess so. It's just tough. There's a rich history of baseball in Kansas City. I I don't ever see the Royals moving because of the the rich history of baseball in that city. I mean. I think the first baseball team, it might not have been the first, but I mean the Monarchs, the Kansas City Monarchs, the Negro League team, one of the, if not the most famous Negro League team ever, had a crazy run in the 40s, absolute powerhouse with like Satchel Paige, Buck O'Neill, Jackie Robinson played on that team. But they also had the Kansas City Athletics for like 15 years in I think the 50s to the 60s, and then I think it was 69 expansion uh, to the Royals, and that is one of the older new teams, I'll say. Like, of the non-1900s like 1900s teams that are still around, it's, that's a fairly old team. I mean, older than the Mariners, older than a lot of teams. 
And they have now been moved to Jacksonville and are called the Thunder Bears. I gotta say, Thunder Bears is an elite mascot name. They hit it out of the park with that one. Uh, no, just phenomenal. I uh, I played a sim in that game, and I moved a team to Vegas. Uh, not not even moved, uh, just expanded. The Las Vegas, what do they name them? I think I named them the Gamblers. I think they're the Vegas Gamblers. Uh, but that game's awesome. You can do whatever you want. I just couldn't believe the Royals moved to Jacksonville and are called the Thunder Bears now. And now I kind of hope the Thunder Bears become a real team. Like I, for the people of Kansas City, the baseball fans, I hope that baseball team is not moved out of there. Uh, but now with expansion coming, I hope Jacksonville gets a team and I will suggest the Thunder Bears if they do. So... That is all. That's the end of my kind of new segment, my random weekly notes. I'm going to bring that back every week, depending on how many notes I have, because I write down a lot of random stuff week to week, and then I forget that I wrote it down, and I'm going to try to just say this stuff on the pod, because I think it's entertaining, and I like talking about it. But I already talked about the manners, and the schedule, and the standings. We know what's at stake this week. The most important series of the year, the Oakland Athletics. We know how important this is. And then we get it, we get Armageddon after that. So let's hope they sweep the series. Uh, this will be coming out uh, the Monday before uh, the A's series starts. So let's just freaking hope they take care of business uh, and go into the next podcast. I don't know, in a playoff spot. Is that too much to ask? I hope not. But thank you all for listening this far. Greatly appreciated. Obviously. You, you always hear this rate and review if you like the show. If you can review anonymously, if you want, just just review. You can write whatever you want. You can write a novella in uh, your review. Write whatever, and I will read it because that would hype me up. Or just recommend the show to your friends. If you have other Mariners fans, do it. Do it. Legally, you have to do this now. But thank you. Much appreciated. Have a good rest of your week, and of course, go Mariners.